Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Ronnie Evans is a visually impaired, award-winning filmmaker. Ronnie lost most of his vision from retinitis pigmentosa. Evans's vision loss hasn't stopped him from directing and writing movies. One of his new films, called Vision Portraits, explores what it means to work as a visually impaired artist. The movie profiles several visually impaired artists, including dancer Kayla Hamilton, photographer John Dugdale, writer Ryan Knighton, and our filmmaker guest Rodney Evans himself. Rodney is here to talk about Vision Portraits, his career as a blind filmmaker, and how he continues to speak out for the blind. Hi, Rodney. Hi, how are you, Brian? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I guess I just wanted to um, clarify that I am a low vision filmmaker. I'm not fully blind. And I think that's important for people to know because there is a distinction. And, um, you know, just in terms of the ways that people identify, I, I identify as a low vision filmmaker. Let's learn more about you. The Hollywood okay. Reporter says that you became visually impaired due to having the rare genetic disorder known as retinitis pigmentosa. What is retinitis pigmentosa? Retinitis pigmentosa is a gene mutation uh, of the retina that basically um, deteriorates your peripheral vision uh, in most cases and leaves you with minimal night vision. So the way that it manifests itself in in me is that I have basically what's referred to as tunnel vision. So I have 20% of a normal person's visual field, except that it's localized very, very centrally. And I have um, basically very, very minimal peripheral vision. And uh, I have minimal night vision. And so I am able to see what is right in front of me very, very clearly. But the things that are maybe two inches to the, to the left or two inches to the right or below my chest or above my head are not visible to me. So I sometimes describe it as a horse with blinders or just um, tunnel vision. Since um, you have tunnel vision, how did you speak out to become a, a low vision filmmaker? Um, uh, it wasn't really about speaking out so much as um, being who I was <laughs> um, and, um, and making the work that I was really passionate about and learning how to accommodate due to my um, visual impairment and whether or not that meant collaborating with cinematographers, whether it meant using a monitor to compose the shot with a cinematographer. Um, it, you know, it's, it's um, always a constant journey of accommodation 
when one is filmmaking because it is a collaborative medium. And um, I tend to focus mostly on um, the performances of the actors or the subjects in the case of documentaries that I am interviewing and that um, engagement and the ways in which those conversations are going. And so um, for me, it, it can actually be an asset to not see all of the things that are going on technically in terms of a crew on a fiction film, in terms of a lighting rig, in terms of um, all of the film equipment um, that is needed for um, fiction filmmaking. I tend to just focus solely on the actors. And so the tunnel vision in the case of fiction filmmaking can be really beneficial. Well, how do you do your work as a low vision filmmaker? I mean, how do you write the scripts, help make sure that everybody sets up all the lighting, the cameras, yeah, the, the three, two, one action. How do you do all that? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that is, um, is about delegating and it's about hiring the right people. And um, I don't think of, of filmmaking as a one person endeavor, although it can be in, in some cases. Um, but, you know, I, I tend to hire a cinematographer who then hires a gaffer and the gaffer is usually in charge of implementing the cinematographer's lighting scheme. So my main focus as a director is the story, right? And, and for me, the story is about the connection between the characters. It's about the emotions that the characters are delivering in specific scenes. It's about how one specific scene fits into the larger whole of the entire film and zoning in on where those actors need to be emotionally in that instance in the story and whether or not they are there. And if they are not there, what do I do as a director to get them there? That's my main job as a director. So I think it really helps to kind of break down different tasks and delegate them to different department heads. So if I'm doing a documentary, I'm usually operating one camera on a tripod. I usually have a cinematographer with me who is operating a second camera from a different angle. She's also monitoring the sound so that I can really focus on the questions that I'm asking the person that I'm interviewing. I'm really doing some active listening. If the conversation goes somewhere unexpected, I'm able to go there and maybe I'll get a deeper, more emotionally resonant response because I'm able to act quickly because all of the technical aspects of the filmmaking have been taken care of. So for me, it's about delegating and it's about focusing on what the true skills of a director are. And you've got a good staff. Yeah. I mean, it can be a skeletal staff. I, with this documentary, I usually only worked with one other person on my crew. So um, with documentary, a lot of times you're just using natural source lighting. So um, you're, you're, you know, taking advantage of sunlight pouring in through the window. 
Um, and um, I am able to operate one of the cameras and see um, the entire shot through a flip-out monitor that is the size of an average cell phone. And I can see the entire shot through that monitor, and I can compose it, and I can focus it. But again, I'm really focused on the engagement and the interaction that I'm capturing. And if in the case of interviewing, it's, um, you know, what what is the main focus of the discussion? Um, what are we bringing into this discussion? What are we talking about? What does it take for a blind artist to create a dance or a photograph or a book? What are the obstacles that get in their way? How do they overcome those obstacles? So those are some of the principal questions that I'm asking within Vision Portraits. And I'm delegating the cinematography to the cinematographer. And I'm trusting that that person that I hired is really good at their job. And I'm not trying to micromanage their job. I'm giving them freedom to tell me if something went wrong, that we need to go again. And, and if everything's okay, then we'll all continue doing our jobs separately. So, you know, it can be a low, small footprint, two people in a room with one other character who's being interviewed, but sometimes that's all you need to tell a compelling story. And Vision Portrait showcases these stories of many blind, it does. visually impaired artists, including indeed writer Ryan Knighton, photographer yep. John Dugdale, and dancer Kayla Hamilton. Tell That's us right. more about um, you, Kayla, and Ryan, and how each of you were impacted by your vision loss, and how <laughs> you all got to be creative. I know we've heard a lot from you already, but mm -hmm. how you were all creative despite your blindness. Yeah, um, so uh, <laughs> I'll try to do it without giving people too many spoiler alerts because okay. um, the ideal would be for people to come and see the movie and we have audio um, description tracks for blind and low vision viewers. So there are headsets that are available um, at the Lemley Royal here in Los Angeles, where the movie's opening today, and at the San Francisco Landmark Opera Plaza, where the movie's opening on Friday, um, August 30th. So um, ideally, these uh, characters tell their own story in the movie, but in summary, I'll say that, um, that Ryan was uh, a punk rock teenager who was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa when he was 18 and um, and tells his story really eloquently in a memoir that he wrote called Cockeyed. And I think over the course of about eight years, he um, slowly lost the larger percentage of his vision. So I think he's almost fully blind now. He probably has 90 is probably, you know, has less than 1% of, of his visual field left. And Ryan is still a very active writer. He does a lot of journalism. He is a screenwriter on the NBC network show called In the Dark. And, um, and you know, he is very humorous. So he does a lot of 
storytelling at venues called The Moth. But really, um, um, I think Ryan does full justice to his story and his diagnosis and um, some of the hindrances and the symptoms that um, that were happening before he was properly diagnosed. Um, you know, he was working in a factory operating a forklift while still um, having the symptoms of retinitis pigmentosa, but not being um, properly diagnosed yet. So, um, you know, Ryan's work tends to have um, a real sense of humor to it. And I think that's something that he discovered through uh, a mentor of him who asked him to write from the perspective of a blind person and not in a, a super, um, uh, let's say, navel-gazing kind of way, but just like, what does it take for a blind person to go to Ikea? Can you just write 500 words about a blind person going to Ikea? And Ryan slowly starts writing these short stories that um, are surprisingly funny to him. And I think he spent eight months at his kitchen table just really um, writing down these stories and these experiences and finds that his voice as a writer, um, you know, is coming from the point of view of a blind person and that um, humor is a way that he can um, tell those stories and, and um, help people understand his journey. Um, and, you know, another thing with Ryan is that I think something that all people with low vision or, or um, I would say a large percentage of people with low vision, you know, navigate using a red and white cane. So I think it was important for Ryan to be part of the punk rock scene and to dance around in mosh pits and flail his body around wildly and not care so much about not bumping into people and um, having a new set of rules for how to navigate a landscape. So I think the punk rock scene was also really, really helpful in terms of Ryan's development. Um, and then Kayla, you know, Kayla was born in Texarkana, Texas, and she was born with um, vision in only her right eye. So she never had vision in her left eye. And I think um, that was noticed when she was probably four or five. And um, she uh, was taken to the doctor and the doctor basically told her to wear an eye patch over her seeing eye so that her non-functioning eye would be forced to work. And that was basically um, the prescription that Kayla was given in order to um, help her see through her non-functioning eye. So um, that, needless to say, didn't work and led to a lot of frustration. And I think Kayla's parents um, enrolled her in dance classes to take her mind off of um, 
her struggles with her eyesight and to um, just immerse herself in rhythm and movement and the body and and she fell in love with dance and that's been her principal medium and form of expression for um, you know I would say several decades but then when Kayla was uh, in her college years um, she did develop um, a condition called iritis, with the, which is arthritis of the eye, and was given steroids to um, battle the inflammation from the iritis. And then that led to uh, glaucoma in her seeing eye. So Kayla also has trouble in her right eye and is constantly having to navigate between you know, the steroids that keep the iritis at bay and then also not um, worsening the conditions of her glaucoma. So she tells her story very, very vividly in a one-woman solo dance piece, um, which in the film is called Nearly Sighted. And when she tours with it now, it's called Nearly Nearly Sighted, Slash unearthing the dark, and um, it's uh, transformed since I filmed it in in 2017. But she's a real maverick and works a lot with the disability community within the dance world. So the film just has had a few premieres. Let's talk about all the showings so far. How, okay. how are they going, and what have been the responses from the audience? They've been going really well. And, um, you know, the responses have been extremely positive. Um, I think um, especially for the blind and low vision community, just to have an authentic representation of their experience reflected back at them um, on a movie screen is really validating and really empowering. And so... Those are the people that have tended to come up to me and 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 talk to me afterwards, and sometimes they're so moved that all they can do is cry for for three or four minutes because they've waited their entire lives to see uh, this kind of film that represents their experience in uh, in an accurate and an authentic way. And so, um, uh, I just hope to, to, you know, move the needle and make more progress in terms of visually impaired filmmakers and, um, actors, actresses, camera people, um, both in front of and behind the camera telling stories from our own lives so that we can broaden the canon of um, experiences that people can see on screen and that we can lift some of the fear and the shame and the negative stigmas that uh, people live with when they don't see an accurate representation of themselves in film and media and when those things are um, not available and people constantly underestimate what you're capable of doing. So um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. I'm, I'm using the film 
to push for more of that and um and hopefully things will uh get better in terms of the types of representation that's out there it's always shocking to me that one in four people in the US identifies as having a disability yet 0.2% of characters in film and media are shown with a disability on screen so there's just this huge gap between how people are living their lives and then what's reflected as um you know real life experience on screen and so i want to be one of those filmmakers that's doing work to lessen that that gap and um put more representation of disabled characters out into the world how can our listeners learn more about you and see all your films uh listeners can learn more about me and where the film is playing at my website which is rodneyevansfilm.com and that lists uh all of the cities that the film will be playing in through uh the end of September it lists a lot of the upcoming festivals so we will be slowly rolling out through the end of September i will be traveling with the film and doing q and a's um for opening weekends in each city so as i mentioned we're opening here in la this weekend and i'll be doing q and a's after the 7:40 show at the lemley royal um in west los angeles um with special moderators and we are opening in San Francisco at the Landmark Opera Plaza and we're actually doing something really special there next Saturday on August 31st uh where we're having open audio description where um blind and low vision viewers won't even need to use a headset it's it's going to be a screening primarily for blind, the blind and low vision audience members and the audio description track is going to be played out loud in the theater and a disability studies scholar who teaches at UC Berkeley named Georgina Kleeg is going to be the moderator for that Q&A so I'm really excited about that cuz that's the first time that we have had an open audio description at a screening so far and and then the film is going to open in Philadelphia on Friday September 6th um Washington DC and Baltimore on the 13th and Chicago on September 20th and I will be in all of those cities on the opening weekend and the film will play for a week um at minimum and if we do well um a lot of times the film gets held over um if the audiences are showing up and enjoying it Ronnie, we appreciate all your hard work. We hope that your films encourage the blind and visually impaired to live full and happy lives. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. You're very welcome. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website that's Speaking Out for the Blind. .weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. 
My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link lo- located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Here is the schedule for Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. All times listed are in Eastern and Pacific. Monday, 4.30 a.m. and p.m. Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. Thursday, 10.30 a.m. Friday, 8 p.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. Brought to us by the American Council of the Blind. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything.